This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome into another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Schusterman, joined as always by Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Jonathan, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday? I am uh, I'm doing fantastic. Getting excited. Uh, next week, I will head to Arizona for the start of the Arizona Fall League, which now uh, begins uh, a lot earlier, and I will pack extra sunscreen as a result. That is a that is a good call. Uh, Jim, I don't know how soon you're heading down there, but obviously it is a lot better now to have less uh, time between minor league baseball and its hiatus, minor league baseball finishing up uh, this past weekend, but finally the Fall League will be back. Jim, how many weeks do you have to wait before you get to Arizona? Uh, three weeks from uh, today. I'll be down there beginning of October. Uh, I do have a quick trip next week. I will be part of the broadcast for the AAA National Championship game on Fox Sports uh, on Tuesday in Memphis. And we're down to a Final Four with Columbus and Durham in the International League and uh, Sacramento and Round Rock in the PCL. So it's uh, it's kind of a quick trip. It's kind of fun. And, you know, last year I got to see Colin Pochet. got to see a bunch of Cardinals. Memphis won it last year, beat Durham. A lot of those Cardinals uh, and Rays have been up in the big leagues this year. So it's kind of a, a sneak preview of coming attractions. Yeah, who's to say there are no prospects left in AAA? That's, there's, there's, there's plenty, plenty to see there. Uh, so we'll definitely get your, get your thoughts on that game. Uh, once you once you see it. But uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about the prospect team of the year. Uh, we're going to talk about Nico Horner uh, becoming the first 2018 draftee to reach the big leagues. Uh, and then uh, I think we're going to we're going to do a little bit of teasing about a very exciting article that Jim has coming out. We're not going to tell you too much, but it is a, maybe a little fun, fun discussion that we'll have uh, towards the end of the show. But let's begin with the prospect team of the year. Last week, uh, we talked about the hitting prospect of the year and the pitching prospect of the year, Mackenzie Gore and Luis Roberts. But now you guys have released the, the team of the year, uh, first and second team. A lot of fun names on this list, some of it which are some of the top prospects in baseball, some of which are you know farther down the team's top 30 list. Uh, so, Jim, I'll start with you. Who's one name on the first team uh, that if you said he was going to be in the prospect team of the year back in spring training, you would have been like, wow, that's, that is really something? Well, I mean, this year's a little goofier because it's based on performance, which for some reason, <laughs> Jonathan, I don't feel like we've had Twitter confusion in the past like we did this year. Apparently, there was confusion that we were anointing Josh Rojas as the best second base prospect <laughs> in baseball, which, you know, and he's a good prospect. We were not saying that. For me, I guess it would be Josh Rojas, but I, I think because of the jacked up ball in AAA, all but one of the players on our first team, and we did try to make some mental adjustments for AAA, but, but everybody on our first team played in AAA except for Luis Camposano. All the hitters did. So it's not as prospecty necessarily. You have a bunch of guys who went off in AAA, but, but to me, I guess it would be Josh Rojas because I, I do our Astros list. He wasn't really on my radar at all coming into the year. 26th round pick out of Hawaii in 2017, $1,000 senior sign. 
you know, did okay last year, but like I said, wasn't really on my radar. He began the year in double-A, did a lot of his damage in double-A, so it wasn't all the triple-A ball. And he just had a tremendous year, had an ops over 1,000, 23 homers, 33 steals. He and, and Luis Robert, who was our, our hitter of the year, and Kyle Tucker were the only minor leaguers with 20 homers and 30 steals. Their guys were both 30-30 guys. And he is a legitimate prospect. Before he was included in the Zach Reinke trade, there was interest from other teams when the Astros were talking trades. You know, he wasn't a guy who you know you're going to get as the first player in the deal, but it seemed like the Astros were getting asked an awful lot. You know, in these larger deals, hey, you know, how about Josh Rojas as the third or fourth player in the deal? So he's a legitimate prospect, but honestly, he, he was the only guy on this first team. Well, I guess the only hitter, I should say, because there's a pitcher on here too. But the only hitter on this first team who I really didn't know anything about coming into the season. Yeah, Jonathan, you have a, yeah. a guy. I mean, maybe it's a guy who you had high expectations for, but even went far and beyond that. I mean, Gavin Lux certainly fits that criteria for me. Um, but right. any any names stand out to you? Well, and Lux is also a guy who didn't spend all year in AAA. So, you know, I think more on the surprise end, and, and some of it is the whole AAA inflated numbers thing. But Jared Walsh kind of began the year as kind of a curiosity because they were turning him into a, a two-way guy and you know he had had actually you know he had a very good year last year he went from the california league to to triple a and hit 29 homers and and drove in 99 runs california league is what it is he, he hit well in in double a even the year before that he hit well but you know he had only played in 90 games this guy was a 39th round pick out of georgia F a fine program indeed and this year, he, you know, he was really, really good. Um, made it up to the big leagues, just hit his first big league homer, actually, on Monday. And as much as, yes, the everything's inflated, you know, and he hit 36 homers. Uh, but he did improve his, his walk rate and cut his strikeout rate, considering, which is why he ended up hitting 325 and an OPS of over 1,100. This is not why he made our prospect team of the year. He actually also has, has pitched fairly well. He appeared in 13 games in the minors. He's, he's appeared in four in the big leagues. Um, so that, that's sort of a, an added interesting thing. But uh, even with the knowledge of inflated numbers in AAA, it was hard to look past uh, what he did. And yes, it's, uh, it is surprising, you know, given that he was you know, at the very tail end of the Angels, top 30 in the Angels, Top there was not exactly a um, juggernaut for depth, I should say. And one other guy who I, I was trying to be a good teammate because I, 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 you know, I usually give two answers when I'm only asked for one. I was going to leave this guy in case John uh, break him up. That. So I, I will chime back in. Um, the, the other guy who I really knew nothing about on this on the prospect team of the year, first team coming into the year was Joe Ryan of the Rays. You know, he was a seventh round pick out of Cal State Stanislaus last year. Um, had a you know decent debut. He had a good strikeout rate in his debut. He wound up leading the minors in whip this year, leading the minors in strikeout percentage. He struck out 38% of the batters he faced. Um, second in strikeouts, 183. Made it up to double A. Um, like, you got off to a good start and then just kicked it up a gear. Gave up just 11 earned runs in his final 15 starts. And, you know, it's interesting because he's a guy who kind of does it with – you know, he's got one of those fastballs that 
you know, it's not it's not like he's throwing 96, but it's like a 92, 93 mile an hour fastball that just has a lot of action to it, and guys just can't seem to catch up to it. You know, it, it plays like it's 98, and, and he relies on it heavily. I mean, he's obviously a prospect, still trying to figure out exactly how much of a prospect. But you know, what a year he had, and again, I, I never heard of Joe Ryan really. Uh, coming into this year, and and he was not on our our raised top thirty coming into this season, so he, he was another surprise. Yeah, and I I actually did want to not not to go too too Georgia Bulldog heavy here, but I think the thing that stands out to me about Walsh is just the power output. Sure, the numbers are maybe a little bit inflated in AAA, um, but this is a guy who had I believe five college homers in his I think four he years. Six. Come on, Jordan, at, don't so six. Oh, geez, please forgive me. See, you you had that. You had that ready. Um, I, I looked even, him up while we were talking about. He didn't time. even have uh, very many before before last year. He really kind of upped his power output, but it's not just the AAA uh, uh, numbers there because clearly he had made some sort of adjustment in the last two years that would kind of unlock power that he never showed uh, in Athens. Uh, moving down to the second team, uh, definitely also some names that I think maybe surprised at looking at the the reliever of the year. Both the relievers you guys listed: Marcus Evans with the Rangers, Sam Delaplane with the Mariners, were definitely some guys that kind of came out of nowhere. Tarek Skubal. Uh, with the with the Tigers is a guy we've talked about this year. What about Roberto Ramos? Roberto Ramos, that, there's another AAA name, but maybe let's pick someone on this list who who did not spend that much time uh, in AAA. Few options. Seth Beer uh, really seems to be hitting uh, at the professional level pretty well. Uh, Dalton Varsho had a great year. Another guy in the Diamondbacks organization. Uh, Jonathan, anyone on the second team you wanna you wanna point out that maybe wasn't spending that much time uh, in AAA? Yeah, I actually was going to mention Varsho. Just uh, I'm thinking back to spending time with him in spring training where we did a, a sort of how-to video on catching drills. Uh, but his offensive profile is so interesting for a catcher because of the of the speed quotient. Um, you don't often see a, a guy who is a catcher steal 21 bases. And yeah, if he continues catching full-time, it's unlikely he's going to steal that many bags, but he he got close to 2020 overall, a good approach at the plate. He did it while working on, you know, the, the craft behind the plate at the same time. So, you know, I think he did everything that you would want for a player to do in his second full season in double A and the Southern league is not particularly a great hitting league. Um, so I think what he did really stands out um, in terms of his overall uh, offensive game and, you probably could have made an argument for him to be, you know, the the number one catcher, but Camp Luis Camposano had had such a good year uh, and, you know, so young uh, that it made sense the way we did it. But Varsha was a guy who I was pleased to see sort of take that, that next step forward in development. And for me, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to another Astros guy. Christian Javier, I knew about. He was on our list last year. He was literally, when we did our, our list coming to year, number 31. I just didn't have room for him on the list. You know, he'd had success in the past, but he's not a real big guy. It's not overpowering stuff. You know, six foot one, 205 pound or so frame. Looked like a reliever. And, you know, when you're doing these lists, relievers sometimes go by the wayside. Well, they continued to develop him as a starter this year. And all he did was lead the minors with a 1.74 ERA. A 130 opponent average, 13 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He, he rose from high A to triple A. I'm still not sure what he is long term, but what he is is he's kind of, you know, the Astros, I think they have this lab where they 
create all these guys with high spin rates. Again, it's not an overpowering fastball in terms of velocity, but it's got high spin and good shape, and, and guys just seem like they swing under it all the time. And he has a pair of solid breaking balls that play off it well, so he throws that, that fastball up in the strike zone, and then he comes after guys with a, a downer curveball and the sweeping slider, and, and guys just don't hit it. Um, you know, Made up to AAA for two starts at the end of the year. It, he was a guy, too. You know, we t- I talked about Joe Ryan on the first team. I mean, either one of those guys would have been a worthy first-team selection. You know, you, you, there's just only room for one of them. But I, I'll, I'll be very interested with Javier to see what he is going forward, too, because it's not, you know, traditional stuff. It, it's high spin, and the Astros have a lot of guys who rack up a lot of strikeouts by throwing, you know, four seamers up in the zone and, and breaking balls down the zone. And, and he thrived doing it this year as a tandem starter in their system. Yeah, I'm I'm a full believer in the uh, the Astros lab. It is a terrifying, terrifying thing, um, but very impressive, all the more so. Uh, okay, so let's move to some more uh, prospect news. Uh, very exciting for for the people of the Chicago Cubs. Now, this is not really expected. This is kind of necessitated because of all the injuries that they've had. Uh, but Nico Horner, uh, called up by the Cubs, made his major league debut last night in San Diego with three hits and four RBIs. <laughs> a pretty good start for a guy who was just drafted last year and if I'm reading correctly, has only played in 89 minor league games, uh, which is pretty wild. So he is the first 2018 draftee to make it to the big leagues. And he was the 24th overall pick, which is obviously no slouch. But for him to be the first guy to make it over other advanced bats in the top 10, Madrigal, India, I mean, let alone the pitchers like Casey Mize, Joey Bart, obviously this was a situation where the Cubs literally needed someone to help them in this this postseason chase. But uh, Jonathan, I guess I'll, I'll start with you here. Uh, this is about as, as fast as or as, as well as it could have gone for yet another college bat that the Cubs seem to have uh, drafted and developed very quickly. Yeah, the, they, had, they had a little break after that run, you know, Bryant, Schwarber, Hap, and uh, and now they, you know, they have Nico Horner sort of following suit. And yes, it was this was out of necessity. And I think that's why he beat some of those other guys you mentioned. Um, not that Jonathan India really, you know, did anything that warranted a call up. Nick Madrigal did Nick Madrigal type things. Uh, we could talk about that another time. But, you know, Horner, it is remarkable because he's played so little because of uh, some injuries. But I think they felt comfortable just because of what his skill set is uh, and what he showed in, in the Arizona Fall League, you know, last year after, you know, not having played all summer, just came in and hit 337 and got on base a ton and did what he does, which is make a ton of contact. And, and even this year, that's what he did. He, he forgot what 31 times in 294 plate appearances. That's fairly insane. Uh, only played in 70 games again, because of the injury thing, but the, the bat to ball skills are so advanced that I think they knew he could come up. He'll play steady defense uh, at short. If they want him to play second, obviously the need right now is at shortstop. He, he's got such a good head on his shoulders. He's not going to feel overmatched. He's going to put the ball in play. You know, is he going to pick up uh, multiple hits uh, in every game? No, I, I don't think so. Even at a triple, it drove in four runs. It's a, that's an incredible debut. But I think that he's going to keep doing Nico Horner things and not be overmatched and 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 make a major contribution to them down the stretch, you know, and if not beyond. And Jonathan, uh, I mean, we're talking, uh, obviously, bats ball skills is one thing, but we said Jared Walsh, six college homers, Nico Horner, five 
total homers in three years at Stanford and in his pro career. So we'll see what the power projection is there with him. But obviously, they're just looking for a guy to to, to fill a hole here. Um, so looking at the rest of this first round, Jim, I mean, there are a lot of options. Guys close to the big leagues. Maybe Casey Mize would have already been up this year had the Tigers been in postseason contention. But if you had to pick one who is going to be the next 2018 draftee to make it, it probably won't happen this September unless something really weird happens. Uh, who would you expect to be the first one we see uh, probably early 2020? I think it might be Nick Madrigal. Um, okay. He made up to AAA at the end of the season. You know, he hit 330. Basically, had Nick Madrigal type numbers there. I, I still am somewhat conflicted as to what to make exactly of Nick Madrigal because he he hit 311 this year, but he still didn't have an 800 ops in the minors because he he just doesn't drive the ball very much. You know, I think he's gonna you know be a guy who can be a plus runner and a plus defender at second. But you know, he's a guy who he's not gonna be overmatched if you bring him up to the big leagues. You know, I, I guess the issue with him is, you know, how do you reconfigure the White Sox if you do that? You know, I mean, I guess you can can move Yomer Sanchez out. You know, they moved Mankata to third. Um, so like, he'd be the obvious guy to me, I think, right now. Uh, and and John, do you have one if you're if you're not picking Madrigal, maybe maybe a pitcher by yeah, demise. I- I think the I think there are some options. Nick Madrigal struck out in three percent of his plate appearances. Three, three percent. Right. It's just, you were just. I mean, it's you. You were just talking about Horner's low strikeout rate, but I mean, this is. And then uh, Jim's concerns are are valid. I don't know what he is exactly, but three percent. I mean, really. I will say outside of Casey Mize that maybe Brady Singer is, is a guy who we should keep an eye on. You know, had advanced stuff in Florida, obviously, made it up to double A this year and performed well there. Had a good overall first full year, you know, almost got to 150 innings. Um, So I think it's not going to take much longer for Brady Singer to make it up. I'm going to I'm going to quibble with you a little bit, Jonathan. If I had to pick a pitcher, I think I would take Logan Gilbert with the Mariners. Oh, that's a good one, too. You know, I love me some Logan Gilbert. Yeah. And, and and Alec Baum is another hitter. It'll be interesting. You know, the Phillies, I guess, are further along in the contention cycle than the White Sox, and they've had issues at third base. Mikel Franco, another disappointing year, not much of a defender. So we could we could maybe see Alec Baum up pretty early next year too. I would also uh, issue a, a general correction that actually the first first rounder to make it to the big leagues was Kyler Murray, uh, who made his NFL debut uh, on uh... Sunday, uh, the day before. Uh, Nico Horner made it to the big league. So, so I, again, I'm just looking back at this first round. I'm like, oh, right, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was taken uh, 15 picks before Nico Horner. So make of well, that. You know, the thing about Nico, though, <laughs> though Jordan, is he was not yeah. a consensus first rounder. Nope. Oh, right, for, not for at most all. teams. You, know, you, you alluded to the power. And, you know, I mean, he, he, he would go higher than 20. It was interesting because Jonathan got this, too. We're in the fall league. You know, he played great. And, you know, it's interesting because you get a lot of pro scouts out in the fall league who don't do amateur coverage. So they don't see these guys that, you know, that much. You know, they hadn't seen Nico Horner because he got hurt, as Jonathan mentioned, during the summer, didn't play, and he was at Stanford in the spring. And I had a lot of guys asking me, like, why did this guy last 24 picks? It doesn't make sense to me. You know, and, and the, the Cubs have made some swing adjustments, kind of changed the way he, he approaches the ball and tries to drive it in the air more often, and they've gotten more power out of him. He and, and Luis Robert were, were maybe the two, I might be forgetting somebody, but maybe the two biggest revelations for scouts in the fall league last fall, Jonathan. Does that sound right? Because Robert, yeah. the guys who had seen him hadn't really seen him do a whole lot. And the second half of the season, once he was fully healthy after he, he got hurt in the fall league at the beginning of the fall league last year, too, with a hamstring injury. But those were two guys who scouts were just really, really impressed with, who, who they didn't have a lot of history with. You look and you're like, how'd this guy last 24 picks? 
But at the time, I think a lot of people were like, wow, he kind of went a little bit higher than we thought he should have gone. Um, and people really changed their tune on that. Yeah, I would say uh, there, you know, a couple of things with those guys that you brought up. And one, I, maybe we need to do an all-revelation fall league team at the end of the year because I like those guys that sort of come out. I think with Robert, it was the kind of thing where sometimes the history of international guys makes people feel cautious. Like, I think there was that, oh, is he going to be one of these really expensive international signings who, who is a bust, you know? And people didn't realize just, you know, how much the thumb injury in the first part of the year really set him back and he wasn't himself. And then Nico Horner... I wonder, and I do California, I you know completely had him underranked, um, but there is a certain stigma about hitters at Stanford, and there's some history there of guys who come out of that school who don't transition well to the pro game uh, and never quite become the players people think they're going to be. Yes, I'm looking at you, Ryan Garko. Um, so there, I think there was a little bit of that, especially heading into the draft. Um, because, you know, his numbers were not anything spectacular at Stanford. He was a, a nice, solid, you know, college guy. He didn't seem more than that. But clearly, there is much more than that, as he's shown even in his brief time uh, as a professional. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Horner is, is, is quite a story. And, and to think that he's going to go from, from then. Also, funny enough, he was scheduled to play in the Fall League again because of all his, uh, his missed time this year. So, uh, unfortunately, you will not be seeing him out there. Well, he uh, still could theoretically. Uh, like you know, if, him back. if FS and Russell comes back, you maybe we see something else. Yeah, the, the crazy thing is, and I, again, I think Jonathan talked to a lot of guys in the fall too. They probably told him the same thing. I think most scouts project Nico Horner to wind up at second base in the long run. I had one guy compare him to Ian Kinsler. This promotion is so unexpected the way it played out and when it played out. But he was called up primarily for defensive reasons. Because Javi Baez is out for the rest of the regular season. Aston Russell, you know, got hit in the head on Sunday and may have a concussion. The only other two guys who can, I guess, nominally play shortstop on the big league roster are David Bodie and Ben Zobrist, who would not be good big league shortstops. That would not make your pitchers happy. And they even had Dixon Machado in AAA, and he's hurt. So they basically needed somebody who can play an adequate shortstop you know, it's funny that that winds up being Nico Horner gets called up in a way because of his glove when really it's going to be his bat that's going to make him a very productive big leaguer in the long run. And it took one game for him to uh, uh, notch three hits and, and make all the Cubs fans totally fall in love with him. So we'll see how the Horner story plays out, but obviously very, very, very unexpected, but also very exciting and cool to see. Uh, all right, before we get you guys out of here, I do want to talk about one other uh, uh, piece of call-up news, which is that Jesus Lazardo, one of the best pitching prospects in all of the land, will be coming up to pitch for the Oakland A's. Uh, now, J uh, Jonathan, it sounds like this will be mostly in a relief role, um, but despite all the injuries, we're still feeling pretty optimistic uh, and excited about uh, Lazardo's future, even if we don't see him uh, start at the big league level this year. Uh, yeah, I, you know, there's no reason not to be excited about him. I mean, the, the funny thing is, is that you, you sometimes have to check yourself. I think the injuries are a concern just in that, uh, eventually he's got to show some more durability, but you know, he came back from Tommy John surgery and then in 2018 probably was much better than expected. So that put him way ahead of the curve. So it's funny, fast forward to this year's spring training, he's given a chance to make the the big league rotation doesn't quite make it and then comes down with the shoulder strain and then the lat injury later on in the year, still 21. Um, and even though he didn't pitch a lot, 
his numbers were ridiculous. So the stuff is still there. And for him, it's always been the combination of the stuff and a ridiculous feel for, for pitching, especially for a guy who had Tommy John surgery in high school, you know, for him to sort of hit the ground running post Tommy John surgery at that age and have such a feel uh, is kind of insane in it. And it continued this year. So I don't think there's any question that his stuff is ready to get big league hitters out. Uh, it's just that he'll need some time to adjust to a, a starting routine at the big league level. You know, we'll see how much mound time he gets, but you shorten him up and his arm is certainly fresh. He only threw 43 innings this year. He could really have an impact for the A's bullpen down the stretch. Yeah, and you know, Martin Gallegos, who covers the A's for us, even has thrown out the possibility that they may actually use him out of the rotation, too, that it's not been ruled out. You know, he did have, I think, a career-high 10 strikeouts in his final final start of the regular season and pitched well in the playoffs, and they're kind of jockeying for you know, wild-card position, trying to stay ahead of the, the head of the Indians. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. He might get a chance to do something. You know, we mentioned Nico Horner earlier. You know, I guess if he keeps getting three hits every night, Nico will, will play. But, like, I kind of feel like once Addison Russell comes back, you'll see a lot more of Addison Russell shortstop, and Nico will be more insurance. But Jesus Lazardo could play a, a prominent role down the stretch for the A's. Yeah, there are uh, far more opportunities, I would say, even to be had in the in the – uh, with the A's pitching staff, um, a lot of a lot of innings to go around there, so I would not be surprised to see him. He's he's he is still, as you mentioned, Jonathan, still very young, younger than Dustin May, who really kind of broke out on a prospect last year. So um, he's going to be one of the youngest pitchers in the big leagues, and I look forward to seeing how he performs at the major league level. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for as always, uh, we really appreciate uh, you guys uh, giving us some some prospect wisdom. You guys should definitely take a look out for Jim's article coming later this week projecting the top 10 prospects at this time next year uh so we won't we won't we won't ask jim to give us his answers He's starting to work on that pretty obvious on that. number one guy though i think yeah yeah definitely i that's that's true but then two through ten is going to be a bit of a mess uh, in a good way that's that's all part of the fun but uh so definitely keep an eye out for that article uh jonathan are you going to be uh in arizona when we talk to you next week indeed okay all right well looking forward to that very much uh for Jim and Jonathan, I'm your host, Jordan Schusterman, and we will talk to you guys very, very soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.